down in Petersburg, everything's fine. All lamb cats is drinking that wine, drinking that mess is their delight. When you get the wrong, start singing all night, drinking wine's for the you to drink wine. Wine's for the you to drink wine. Wine's for the you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Drinking that mess is their delight. When it gets a rump, start fighting all night. Knock down windows and tan down door. Drinking half gowns and calling for more. Drinking wine's for the Yodi drink wine. Wine's for the Yodi drink wine. Wine's for the Yodi drink wine. Welcome to Tasting Anarchy. I'm Jacob Lindsay, and as always, I'm joined by Mason Joseph. Uh, I hope that you all have been listening to the episodes for a while now. As of this recording, even though it's like episode 17, I've got four episodes up online. Ah, nice. And um, although we don't have a huge number of downloads, the numbers are picking up. And I hope that's not just me downloading it multiple times. (laughs) And so I hope that you have all been enjoying it and um, will continue to enjoy it as we are about to enjoy a delicious Cabernet Sauvignon. Of course, it's my pick again. Yes. And uh, I think this is going to be the last cab that I do for a while because oh. uh, looking back at all the episodes as I've been editing them and and that sort of thing, like that's the only wine that I've picked except for I think once. And I think I think that, it was the last one. The other one was a blend or something. Yeah, like one that? was a blend. Actually, I think yeah. two. Then one was a blend and one was like a Molbeck or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do my best to maybe diversify a little bit. Maybe try some dry whites because I do like the uh, what is it, the Sauvignon Blanc, a little bit. So we might try that. Huh. Um, but for now, we are tasting Black Stallion Cabernet Sauvignon from the uh, Napa Valley State Winery. It, um, yeah. I don't know if that's the name of the company or if I'm just it reading is. a So part. they actually okay. have a pretty interesting website. This is not actually a vineyard. Um, I think they have a vineyard on the estate, but their uh, their wines are made from uh, winery or vineyards all over the Napa area. And they give a little bit of history on the website, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, before Napa Valley was like huge grape country, uh, it was horse country. And this used to be a horse ranch yeah. um, many, many years ago. And they had, a, they had I think, I can't remember what distance they said, but one of the largest indoor horse uh, showrooms uh, in California. Interesting. And yeah, very interesting. And then I guess... Um, they changed after a while, and uh, they, now they make wine there instead of horses. I guess horses are not as profitable as they used to be. Yeah, that are just not for the land. Yeah, it could be. You know, yeah, opportunity cost, I guess. Yeah. Um, I know that horses are really expensive to keep, so that I might mean, be part of Horses in general are expensive, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the interesting things I thought about this particular company was I've never seen this on a website they have a wine master mm-hmm. and i guess he's the guy who makes sure that all the wines are good and um his name's nelson i can't remember his last name mm-hmm. uh, but it gave kind of a little biography of him he's he was a small yay and moved up and now he's the guy who makes sure that all the wine is is done well this is one of their lower priced bottles of wine they range from 30 dollars, which this one is a 30 dollar bottle all the way up to like $700. Holy crap. And this is from multiple vineyards. The others are are typically single vineyard. They also make a variety. They have reds and whites. And um, they had one other type that I didn't know what it was. And they also had sparklings. So mm-hmm. kind of an interesting 
uh, an interesting website. I see that you've tasted it a few times. What do you think so far? So we, we've done something a little different this time. We actually uh, got an aerator or mm-hmm. we used it. I think you've had it for a little bit um, on it. So it's more mellow than the other cabs okay like it it's not as like a lot of the cabs at least if you haven't had one in a while a lot of the acidity up front is kind of shock and awe like Mm -hmm. just acidity and like red wine like it's smoother than that but it does have the acidity there it does have the kind of the heat to the the acidity um definitely the cab flavor but it's not like yeah. any one real heavy direction it's mm-hmm. i think that kind of comes with when you have a blend of multiple wineries they, they yeah. you get a lot of mellowing of the characteristics because right. you don't want like one grape to one set of grapes to really spike the other mm-hmm. way i think it would be an interesting test for us to do sometime is to get two bottles of of a cab that i like like freak show which mm-hmm. by the way we talk about freak show Way too much on this show. As, I, <laughs> as I've been going through editing it, like we always compare every cab to Freak Show. But, well, that's but that's our first the, one. That's your baseline. Yeah, and that is so, my baseline because I like it a yeah. lot. But um, I, I think it'd be a good, a, kind of a fun experiment to get two same vintage bottles of Freak Show. Use the aerator on one, not the aerator on the other, and see if we can tell a difference. Yeah, because um, this is, I agree with you, it's a little more mellow. This this wine does seem to be a little more uh, spicy than some of the other cabs yeah i, uh, I can less see that. tannic um it is still tannic but it's not as like yeah as as the other ones uh so let me go ahead and read you their description and maybe this will kind of uh bring some of what you've been tasting to the four the four yeah and i'm gonna go ahead and give it a sniff because they also talk about some of the smells and and actually one of the smells they talk about i do smell a little bit but not i i, I wouldn't say so this is uh their description, spicy with clove and juicy black cherry flavors. Uh, this approachable, densely packed wine is full of fruit and integrated power, which I don't know what that means, but it... That, it, that almost sounds like a grammatical typo. Yeah. Like, like that's not how they wanted to structure right. that, but okay. Yet surprisingly balanced. Maybe that's the spiciness, the that power? Uh, it's got a soft chocolate and tobacco notes accented the fruit as long as... Fruit, well, sorry, I'm sorry. Let me read this again. Mm. Soft chocolate and tobacco notes accent the fruit as a long finish wraps up the experience. So the smell, I do smell, it smell, well, for those of you who are from the West, uh, Western United States, there's a store there called Raley's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I was a kid, we shopped at Raley's all the time. And one of my favorite things was to make my mom check out at the checkout all the way at the end because it was near the locked up tobacco. Mm. And I just like the way tobacco smells. Yeah. And so we would go through that section just so I could smell the tobacco. And I do catch a, a small hint of that smell when I when I sniff it. So that's interesting because my nose is broke as yeah. as usual um but last night i had a cigar mm-hmm. and i hadn't smoked a cigar since it's winter i mean it's the end of february here it happened to be in the 70s this mm-hmm. weekend but yesterday like it was cold last night like it was definitely cold last night yeah, i felt good well <laughs> i opened my window because i yeah. was like oh it feels so nice because in this building as you know yeah. they the heater is on until they turn the ac on yeah, but you can turn off the heat. It's right. just it just it doesn't cool the house. Yeah, really. So yeah, so my mouth is a lot more torn up than mm, it had been right. from cigars in a while. Now, 
I don't know if that was also the beer I was drinking right. or like, did I burn my mouth at some point? So honestly, I was expecting a little bit more of a problem with the wine just ripping up my mouth from mm. the cigar having really gone to town on it. But like, I don't, I don't catch any hints of tobacco on it. I also yeah. don't get a long finish on it. Okay. And I don't know if that's, again, a factor of the aeration. Mm-hmm. And, and like what I, what I really wish these wineries would do, and I've seen it before, but maybe maybe not in the way I'm thinking about. Like They don't give a suggested temperature. Mm. They don't give a, you should use an aerator, you shouldn't use an aerator. Like I have to imagine like, an aerator for wine right if it was something that you should do they you would think they would say it or like or, or figure out like how to build it into the bottle well n- n- not only well maybe not that because okay. of cost oh, but right. like what i would think is like if you needed to aerate are you they thought you should aerate the wine mm-hmm. I, you would think they would say that because that's yeah. kind of like a thing with wine aeration yeah and then also if you shouldn't aerate it you think they would also yeah. say that it's kind of right. like um like a lot of breweries for beer will list the specific glass type yeah that is recommended and they will do temperature ratings right now maybe wine is kind of that like to each his own like some people like a chilled sure. red some people don't but like if it's your product and you're presenting it forward it's kind mm-hmm. of like you would think you would give that especially for a, a complex product like wine right and especially like if you go to buy a mercedes mm-hmm you look at all the options, they give you good description of all the options and all that stuff. A lot of the wineries that we've got stuff from, they do more expensive wines than right. what we get. And their yeah. websites aren't really good. And if you're going to yeah. spend $700 on a bottle, yeah. like I would be expecting like a 120 page book yeah, with explained. a $700 bottle of wine. Like, I mean, $700, the last computer I bought was a $1,200 Mac and it lasted, It's it was a 2010 model. Yeah. I, it still works. I still that's still my computer at this point. Right. That's eight years. I mean, this uh, one so that we're like, recording on right now yeah. is a is a I think 2011 maybe. And uh, you know, whenever things go bad for me, I just pop Linux on it and it works for yeah. me. And, and so that that's the thing is like that you know that level of money and you go on like you can find a hundred reviews on most of them are you going to find at least reviews on them you know if you're buying like an asus laptop or something like that you can find a bunch of reviews on those laptops mm-hmm. i'm sure we could find on the 700 dollars ball wine a couple reviews but you think yeah. their website would be like much more yeah. descriptive yeah. for they, the they cost have, of they, the product they do and they, their website is beautiful, but it's sort of the same thing as uh, the wine that you had, the Riesling that we had last time, yeah. where it just says a lot of stuff, but not doesn't really tell you much. Yeah, and that's one of those ones, like, I wonder if it's a translation problem, Yeah. but whereas this one, it's Napa, it's not like right. they were... I mean, maybe they're maybe they're Spanish. Yeah. You know, maybe, well, I mean, this, like, this maybe one English is, isn't yeah, their first language, but I doubt of, it. A lot of this one was like... The flavors remind you of the sunset over the hills where the horses used to roam free, which is, you know, it's it, America. It's like, they never really did. But, well, it, they, I mean, they, were, they were, are sort of wild horses. They're more like feral yeah. horses. But. Well, this is this is one of those things where it's like, are you talking to millionaires? Because, like, yeah. no one who remembers that from Napa right. isn't your grandmother's age. Yeah, yeah. Like a hundred almost. Well, like, it seems because that's what it seems to me is that most of the wine sites are marketing to like romantic wine drinkers. So this kind of makes me think of something Jason Stapleton talks about. Yeah. So Jason Stapleton talks about like 
the maturing of Facebook. He doesn't really say it that way, but like yeah. Facebook's demographics are shifting older. Yeah. And but Facebook's revenue is shifting up and their user young user base is shifting to nothing. But it's because old people have money to spend. So right. like I always get the feeling that like there's this mythical age cuz you know, I'm 31, you're going to be 31 in a couple months. Where, like, I thought at 30, like, you know, you're supposed to have, like, these things. And you're wearing a comic book shirt. I'm wearing, like, yeah. a no-name shirt. And I'm wearing, like, you know, REI. It's not a comic book shirt, by oh. the way. It's, it's, it's a convention. It's, no, no, no. Like, it's an indie sci-fi film. I always. Pro- <laughs> produced I, in South Dakota. <laughs> I always mess it up. I always mess yeah. it up. But it's one of my favorite shirts that you've got. Yeah, but, yeah it's a great shirt. Yeah, I, al- I always mess that up. But, like, that's, that's the thing. It's, like, at a certain point, you hit this thing and it's, like, oh, you want to you want stuff to be romanticized to you right. for the selling purpose but then i think back and it's like all those people who make 80s references constantly yeah. and it's like that geek culture and it's like they've romanticized it like for people like you're really into star wars mm-hmm. but like i think if you had to pick between seeing the next star wars movie or seeing more like next generation or voyager style style and, star trek oh, yeah. you'd be like star trek every day oh, like even if it was five years out yeah. you, but you knew in five years yeah. you'd be like i won't see any of the new star wars movies sure yeah like, oh, absolutely yeah so but like that's the thing I mean, is like the new star trek is okay but it's not in it doesn't feel like it's in the spirit of star trek yeah really. and, but and as you know like because i don't apparently like anything <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing where like i have a romanticized yeah. connection to it in my life right. like I, obviously with my wife i do and like my daughter and that like mm-hmm. like i'm her dad and like i love sure. all the stuff she does you know some things that we've done in the past like you know i have a romanticized view of those times but i also look back at like all of the money we spent all of the sure. times like we had way more to drink than we should have and it just yeah. not feeling well yeah. But then, like, I look back at the times where we were lifting in your garage and just, like, right. you know, having to laboriously switch out the weights because you were, like, 150 pounds lifting yeah. higher than I was. And I'm like, just leave the bar. And you're like, no, you need to put the weights back on that right. you had. Like, you, you're you going to not go forward. Yeah. But, like, so I have some romanticized views of that. But, like, I don't think I'm going to be at 40 or 50 and going, like, ah, this – antiquated bottle of surge reminds you of the time that right. you were well, swimming and, in the yeah. pool and trying not to vomit because you ate too much pizza right, right. like i don't i don't and maybe it's because i grew up on the east coast and i think this is kind of sure. a an east coast thing where like people on the east coast have a connection to an environment type uh-huh. is the way i see it like if you live on the east coast you may like the mountains yeah but you like the smoke like you like the blue, like the blue hills, you know, like right. the, the Appalachians, and the, they're not really mountains by comparison yeah, like to big hills. Yeah, yeah, they are mountains for Appalachia, but they're That's, not. Yeah, so they're I, not. They're not the Sierra, you know, Nevada. Yeah, to give, to give, to give like a little bit of like context, I grew up in a town called El Dorado Hills in California. The hill that I lived on was roughly the same size as some of the mountains in the yeah. Appalachians. Yeah, but in that, so like. Or you love the beach. Yeah. But, like, you don't go and, like, I love the Piedmont, which is the flat. Right. Enter, like, the flat land before the mountains. Sure. Where the farming happens in Virginia. Like, right. that core, that's the Piedmont. Like, right. that's a core, core. You like the beach. Mm-hmm. Or you like the mountains. If you grow up in, like, the West, you can love the desert. Yeah. And the mountains. Right. And the beaches. And not be, like, one of those guys who's like, well, I, I travel to... 
Los Alam, you know, Los Alamos yeah. for the desert. No, like you can literally just go to Needles. Yeah. From L.A. Yeah. and have and like still experience mountains, yeah, like or Joshua Tree. Or yeah, like, like yeah, like yeah, like you you really don't have to go very far, especially mm-hmm. in California. And like, and if you live in you know Nevada and stuff like that, you can get to these things in California very quickly. So like, I think the connection to the environment, yeah, that might is be. more out there, and that's why at least on the california wines it seems they really play up the environmental connection right whereas like the east coast wines they don't it's not they don't do it as much but it's more about the grape yeah because it's not like you're gonna be like and then you crest the slight hill into alexandria and you see the smog and waste from dc (laughs) as you turn left to go to our winery 400 miles you know like back in the direction you should have been going like that that's the thing like you know or like so lake anna which is a artificial lake, I believe, or it's close to an artificial lake. So the only other place there's a nuclear power plant in right. Virginia, there's wineries around that area. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, the cooling towers of the lake right. and the nuclear power station, which to me would be, like, great. Yeah, like, I would love that for a while because yeah. it would be so that much interest, more interesting. But, like, you, like when you grow up sure. here, at least, like, you, you like the beach. You don't like the dismal swamp. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of stuff where, like, yeah, you can hunt and fish and do all that stuff, and you can do all that stuff you can do in the West. Not as big game, but, like, you're you're not going, like, ah, like, my cousins who live in San Diego. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, they were surfing, and they could conceivably be snowboarding by the end of the day. Sure, And if, like, my cousin who lives in the Bay Area was, like, windsurfing and then skiing in the same day, and I'm like what (laughs) like that's not a thing you can do here so like i i feel i feel like they this romanticized thing about life and i think like growing up on the east coast there's not a lot of that yeah and i think that's where like the east coast has a lot of culture for romanticization Mm -hmm. whereas the west coast it's much more about the environmental and then because like i like if i went to my cousins be like what shows did you guys watch growing up and that all grew up on the the west coast they'd be like i don't think we really watch tv like and i know they did yeah but it wouldn't be like they're like oh rocket power and then this cat dog and like all these nickelodeon shows that i remember from it's still that, funny to me that but that actually rocket power is on your list because yeah. that in my memory for and we're probably gonna go off on a weird like romantic yeah. like memories tangent rocket power was a generation after me no it was but like that was me fighting to stay in oh, doors yeah my wife who grew up on the the grew up in stockton which yeah, isn't which really is, yeah, pretty close to where i grew up it was pretty close to where you grew up and like you know they went and hiked and did all that mm-hmm. stuff but like her dad wasn't didn't take him to the like the surfing beaches because he wasn't a surfer like you know so but like she has this like the weird mix of like remembers a lot of 80s culture and things like that but also really likes going out and all that environment stuff that like I feel you have parts of it much more than I do. Like, I love going out. I love the outdoors. But, like, I don't mind it being 100 degrees with humidity. Yeah. Whereas, like, you and my wife are like. It's awful. It's yeah. awful. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's like, I don't is. smell good right, right now. But, you know, this, this is where I live. And it's, I'm fine and with It's it. not as bad for me as it used to be. When we first yeah. moved here, like, it was bad. And there's there's actually a lot of stuff, and I won't mention all of them on the show. But there's a lot of things like when we first moved here that I like culture shock and like also demographic shock a little bit because yeah. like where I'm from in California, it's it's white as new snow, and it it's not particularly cultural like yeah. ethnically. Hampton Roads is diverse, yeah, but it's not that diverse. Right. It's not 
San Diego or LA diverse where sure. you're like, yeah, or New York, like in yeah. New Jersey and places like that where you're like, that guy's literally from Afghanistan. Like right. you don't get a lot of people like that here. You get a lot of people from all over the country from the military and, mm-hmm. you know, different ethnicities and races right. and, and that sort of thing. But there's like a Vietnamese community mm-hmm. and there's definitely a black community and things like yeah. that, but they're not like super dense. Right. Like it's like, oh, if you're Vietnamese, you kind of know this group of people if you lived in this area. Right. Whereas like, you know, if you're white, it's kind of like, I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> and it's like, they grew up three houses down from you. Eh, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Like there was a bunch of us. Right. Well, that was the other thing too, moving here was how much people smoke compared to California. And it may just be part of the Cal- the part of California we lived in, but like. And that's the thing is like smoking isn't really that big of a thing here. Yeah. Well, you just never saw people doing it in, yeah. in California. Like, I knew it existed because, like, 7-Eleven, that sort of place, sell cigarettes, but just never see it. And uh, Remember, when you want people to stop doing things, you tax them. Right, exactly, yeah. And that's, it, you know, I'm, and actually, it, it works a little bit, so. <laughs> uh, one of the, actually, what's funny is, like, the nostalgia, I was actually going over this with uh, my sister one down from, I have four sisters, for those of you who don't know. My sister, one down from me uh, in age. Her and I were talking about about memories. And and uh, my older sister, and it was interesting because like I have certain memories with my older sister. And then my older sister sort of dropped off and it shifted to my younger sister. But then my sister, my younger sister then has a, a core memories with the one, one down from her. And then those two have core memories with the one down from her. Yeah. So like it's just an interesting thing. So her and I were talking about nostalgia and I was talking about when we lived in Roseville and she was like, I don't remember when we lived in Roseville. And I was like, Oh, that's right. Cause you were, you were two when we moved. So you don't really remember what was going on there. Like she doesn't remember our dog shorter or like when I fell out of the tree and broke my forehead open in the pond that my dad was building in the back <laughs> and uh, all that sort of stuff. She doesn't remember those things. And she doesn't remember like the different things that we did. We had a neighbor named Ralph who used to give us stuff. who's was like a million years old. Yeah. And, uh, and like these types of memories we didn't have. And then when we moved to my grandmother's house in Eldorado Hills, I was talking about the gnomes and like me and my older sister have these distinct memories of these gnomes that lived in our backyard that we used to always spy on. And like at this point, it's like, okay, well, they weren't real. But like when we were kids, like this was real. There was like a little, a little door in the back of the chimney mm-hmm. that is for you open it to pull the ashes out. Yeah, it's a right? servicing door. Yeah. Yeah. But we were convinced that was a gnome house. And so we would hide in the bushes across from that and just stare at it for hours, waiting for the door to open and the gnomes to come out. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, so this is the, the, so core memories. Yeah. So I, I have a cousin and his sister whose uh, father was in the Coast Guard. Yeah. And so they moved a lot. and But they didn't move as much as yeah. you would, like. Well, I mean, they, we only moved twice actually in in my memory yeah and my dad's military yeah and that's the thing is like they moved a lot for them but they didn't move as much as some other kids i knew because mm-hmm. growing up in a military town i was like you guys don't move all that often mm-hmm. but to them they did so like they always kind of saw our our grandparents house and by consequence because my grandparents lived in the same in virginia beach where i grew up like they kind of saw my grandparents house as like home base and by consequence, kind of us as home base too. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I grew up a lot with my cousin. And, but, like, they weren't, you know, they would visit once a year, let's say, because that's as much as you could get away at that time and as much as they could afford to do. But, like, so I have core memories growing up with him and, like, doing stuff that involve him. And 
one of the things is his parents are or were very religious. So, like, there's, like, Michael the Gnome, which was a Nickelodeon show. No, no, no. David the Gnome. David the Gnome. Yep. Yeah, so David the Gnome. I like, Look around. Yeah, I watched there David. There are many things to see. Like, I was, that show is so incredibly liberal yeah. and environmentalist. Like, uh, environmental nutcase. Yeah, and here's the thing. I watched David the Gnome as a kid. Yeah. And I remember trying to watch David the Gnome when my cousins were in town mm. at my my grandparents' house in the bedroom of my uncle who was mentally handicapped because he was, you know, he had his own TV and he would let us watch whatever we wanted right. and he just was kind of like just happy to have his nieces and nephews yeah. around him because he, he just likes people. Right. And I mean, you know, I mean, like he just yeah. likes people. Yeah, so, so he's happy to have people around. And then like, I remember my cousin telling me they can't watch David the Note. <laughs> and like my, my aunt and uncle are religious, but like, I feel like they have the same level of religiousness that your parents do right your dad's religious but like he isn't domineering about it and he's not as involved in like the church as my mom yeah and my my uncle is very involved in his church Mm -hmm. but like he was always very involved in like royal rangers which is their version of scouting right but like and like oh i've never heard of Royal Rangers. we had we had uh sparks yeah which is their version of scouting yeah so like he was he was in royal range like he's big in the royal rangers and like there's a lot of dis- disenfranchised kids that go to their church yeah. and like they live up in northern virginia so like it's really hard to imagine like where they live that right. there's just these disenfranchised kids but like a lot of them yeah well don't, like when you're driving through like emporia or yeah. like out on the eastern shore like it's surprising how many yeah like but they live in like a much nicer area oh, okay. than those things like i mean they live in like they live an hour from DC on a good day with traffic, like 40 minutes, just physically 40 minutes. It's an hour with good traffic. Like they don't live in a poor area Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of disenfranchised kids and stuff like that. And my uncle's always kind of like another dad to them. And my aunt is super religious, but like, it's kind of like the way I see your mom as being religious. Your mom is religious and she's very involved with that. But like your mom lets you watch, things and things like you know she may not have she she tried to curate what you guys watched oh yeah but you watched david the gnome my my actually she she liked david the gnome she encouraged us to watch it and but my aunt considered david the gnome blasphemy because it was like magic like yeah she's probably one of those like anti-harry potter ones too because my uh my mom and i were reading we we would read harry potter and then we brought it up one time at church out here Mm -hmm. and somebody was like you let your kids read Harry Potter? And I was like, yeah, they're great. She's like, witchcraft? Devil devil worship? And I was like, oh, there's no devil worship. It is fiction. <laughs> yeah. And that that's the thing is, like, I think my aunt would now probably not have a problem with Harry Potter. Yeah. Depending on the age of the child. Because I think my aunt would be like, look, you know, you're smart enough to understand it's fiction. Right. Like, right. that doesn't represent reality. And I think that's a core difference. You know, the, the, yeah. I don't know if we've posted the episode where your mom was on. Um, uh, I don't think we have yet. Yeah, I think it's either one or two out. I, I think yeah. at this point, four or up. Um, but, like, that's the core difference, like, with your parents. Uh-huh. Like, your, at least your mom's philosophy of just yeah. basically, like, just because you... And, like, so it's Team 2.0. Like, your yeah. mom was kind of, like, the pioneer of Team 1, oh, 1.5. Sure. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, no, you're, in a, you're a little person. Right. You're not some automaton there are some things where your mom's like look no i've made this decision mm-hmm. for you and it's my decision to make yeah and this is just the way it's going to be yeah boohoo right but most of the time like it seems like your your mom and some, for the most part your dad too because he didn't yeah. seem to countermand it no um well and he, and he usually deferred they, they have a deal so like my, yeah. my parents deal is that 
mom focuses on the kids and dad makes money and they've yeah. they've discussed it that's the division of labor that they choose to have like he's involved in our lives as well but mom mostly makes the decisions as far as what's going on because she's more involved yeah and so that's where like to me like your mom had this like no you're i'm preparing you to be adults mm-hmm. And, you know, she did have the hindsight of, like, when your sister, your older sister kind of mm-hmm. gave her problems. Like, like, all right, all right, you know, I've got to change some things. Mm-hmm. And, like, interestingly enough, your mom did. Yeah. Like, and that's yep. that's the kind of the amazing thing. Like, and it's not that my parents didn't change, but, like, right. I, my parents didn't ever really have to with me. And my sister caused them a lot of problems. And then by the time my little brother was old enough, it, it, like, it's not that I don't think my parents were involved in my little brother's life. Mm-hmm. It was just they were at different points in their own lives. And, right. it, you know, they, like, my dad's born in 54, and I was born in 87, so, like, yeah. my dad was 31, 30, 32, yeah. 33 or so, like, when I yeah. was born. So, like, by the time my little brother, who's five years younger than me, is 16, mm-hmm. my dad's, like... Retired, or, yeah. re- or, like, getting closer to retirement. Well, I mean, like, my dad's always yeah, getting closer to retirement, but he's never going to do yeah. it. It's cause, yeah, like, he's like my dad. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> so that's the thing. It's, like, but... You know, they weren't, they were active in my brother's life, but it's sure. also kind of like, okay, like, just a little more hands off on certain things. Now, they were definitely involved, but like, right. that, like, a little bit more hands off and things like that. So, like, but the, just to, like, I really wish we could have your mom on again because it was so interesting yeah. to get to see the other side of some of those stories that I've right. heard. And because I've heard so many of them and so many of the interesting ones and like just what the context of them were to you yeah where your mom's like yeah you had this existential crisis of like the hamburgers and like how you prepare them oh, yeah, or like yeah. berenstein bears or um whatever the other one is right well we uh, actually have another one that's that's related to that and it's uh and it actually relates to david the gnome well being able to watch or not watch television shows yeah. is in my memory i watched beetlejuice the cartoon beetlejuice i don't know if any, if you remember when that was I on i do yeah I, I used to watch the cartoon Beetlejuice, not religiously, but like frequently. It was just one of the shows I liked. And one day I was watching it, and it was like, it has that kind of creepy, like, yeah. Beetlejuice, 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 all that music going on. And she comes in and she goes, What are you watching? I'm like, Beetlejuice. It's like, You are not allowed to watch this. I was like, I, I always watch this. I, this is one of the shows that I like. She's like, no, I have never let you watch this before. Like, we, you need to, no, we're not watching this. It's it's too scary. It's uh, it's gross, and I don't think it's good for you to watch it. We're going to, and, you know, that one thing, to my mom's credit, she always explained why she didn't think something was good for us. It's like, no, I, I, it's too scary for you. It'll, it'll give you nightmares. And granted, I did, I did have nightmares once in a while, like from like scary things. Uh, and we didn't watch it, but it was, it was so strange to me at the time. Cause I was like, I always watch it, but you know how like in your, in your mind, like, because, and I, I always explain this to people is like, so when you're one day old, 100% of your life is that day. Mm-hmm. And when you're two years old, 50% of your life is that day. Yeah. And when you're three years old, it gets exponentially less. So when you're seven, a day seems like a lot, a long time. Yeah. But when you're 40, a day is very short because comparatively speaking from your entire life's experience, it's very small. Yeah. And there, there's some scientific evidence to say that's not actually true, okay. like for perspective wise. Yeah. Um, whether, you know, but like most psychological experiments are unrepeatable and yeah. they're evident. Well, the reason I, I say that I agree with that is because it does always seem like time goes by faster to me. Well, that's, that's why people agree with that. Yeah. And I can't tell you why in the rebuttal mm-hmm. argument that i've heard and i'm not saying one is right or the other but this is one of those ones that always makes me th- wonder like 
because I know you're of the opinion it might be possible that you only watched it a couple times and just thought it was something you watched yeah, all the time. Exactly. But and, maybe, she, and she may have not noticed because that, I think it was on right after Mighty Max. And see, that's where I think that's where I think it's more likely. Yeah, is it something that you ended up actually watching more frequently mm-hmm. than she realized yeah. because your mom's attention? Yeah, it was on was, one, of the, one of the babies. Was divided yeah. amongst having multiple children. Yeah. Whereas, like, I have one kid. Yeah. So, like, what she's doing is generally kind of what I'm paying attention <laughs> yeah, to. Focus. But also, I run into that issue where, like, my wife makes a lot of the decisions involving my daughter that where I'm just, like, I'm not informed enough. Yeah. And I don't care enough about this specific decision to have done a bunch of research yeah. and make a make a decision like my wife always puts my daughter to bed so like sleep training and that sort of thing i'm like that's that's on you like when you want to do it i'll mm-hmm. pres- i will defend whatever you're trying to do but like you got to tell me what to do you're the right. one who puts the baby to bed every day and it's your father who's watching the baby so like i i'm not going to tell him like i've come up with this specific plan and that's the one we're going to follow right so but enough of the digression. Yeah, enough to our <laughs> our normal shenanigans. Yeah. Um, so Black Stallion, a yep. state winery. Yeah, what uh, we I, we, we screwed up. Right. So those who don't know, oh. we, we generally so there's a couple ways we measure wine on this show. Yeah. We generally measure wine about five glasses in a bottle. Sure. So that's our normal standard line. So it's about five dollars a glass on this one. But the way we uh, it's about it's about six. 25 yeah because i do the math wrong every time (laughs) so it's a yeah so at 30 it would be six dollars one but you give tax yeah you you know whatever um so that being said we did screw up because the way we normally do this is we have a couple of glasses from my house that are Mm -hmm. highball glasses that we use we don't actually use wine glasses yeah they're what what are these highball glasses they're highball glasses what does that mean it's a drink type oh so but like you you serve whiskey and stuff like that and it's basically like those who know what a highball glass is, they're highball glasses. Those who don't know, look it's, it up. It looks like a brandy snifter yeah. to me, but they're, like a slightly different shape. Yeah, and here's the thing. They're stemless. Yeah. So most of these style glasses in the past would have them. But we also use some rubber coasters to try to keep down on the clank mm-hmm. from when we had one microphone. and right. Or we had two microphones, but like, yeah, it's a bunch it's of different stuff. It's a whole stuff. thing, yeah. It's a whole different thing. So what we normally do is we fill the glass up much higher than you normally would with a single glass of wine. So we get about two glasses each but we normally drink to about half a glass down and then refill but because we're trying the aerator what we should have done is finish the glasses and then taken the aerator out and poured off of that i thought about it when we first started the the episode but i just did not stupidly didn't say anything yeah so um black stallion estate winery now so we, is it we, 2014 20, vintage? 2014, yeah. anything on the acidity or alcohol uh, percentage? The acidity, no. Alcohol, it's 14.5, which is it's a little higher than normal. Pretty high for yeah. one of these. Yeah. yeah. So um, I know we, uh, as we as we discussed earlier, we referred to Cat Freak Show way sure. too frequently. Yeah. Yeah. But I like this more than Freak Show because it's more... It's more consistent. Right. Like Freak Show spikes in certain mm-hmm. flavors to me that it's not that I don't enjoy them. They're just more than I want. Right. And I think this is pretty smooth. However, I don't think it's $30. Okay. Well, I'm going to share a secret with you. I got it at Lidl. It's not a secret. I knew this. Yeah. <laughs> I, got it, I got it at Lidl for 18 Yeah. So if you, if you guys have a Lidl near you, um, you can pick up the same uh, style. It, it, and this is actually... 
and we've talked about this before, I don't know what the difference between this one is and the other one. They do have a slightly different label. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one is specifically for Lidl. And from what I understand, you can't find it anywhere but Lidl. Um, Interesting. They've, I guess they labeled them all for Lidl. And, but according to the Lidl, the Lidl website, they give the exact same description as the one that comes from the winery itself. So, Or the one that comes from like Total Wine or somewhere like that. Yeah. So... Um, if there's a Lidl, you can pick up a really good deal on this wine. It's a $30 at Total Wine, but it's eighteen ninety seven or something like that or at Lidl. Yeah, so this, this really makes me want to get the $30 bottle. Okay. And like and literally the just the next episode. Like, yeah, I mean, but, we could try it. But the problem is, just so behind the scenes, we're not going to be able to record another episode next week. And That's it's right. going to be yeah. at least two weeks before we can record again. Yeah. So that would really right. kind of yeah. jam on, up. I'll be on vacation. Yeah. So that's the behind the scenes there. Jerks. Um, so. Although speaking of uh, of a dry wine, one thing that I learned today that I'll share with everybody else is, you know, I've been going, I've been trying to do this keto diet that my dad's been talking about and mm-hmm. um, he lost a bunch of weight on it. And frankly, I don't need to lose that much weight, but I'd like to lose a little and um get and help me get into better shape and i was like oh man i'm gonna have to break my low sugar consumption for wine night and surprisingly dry red wines typically have less than one gram of sugar in them so if you're on some sort of uh diet that requires low carbs low sugar get a dry red wine and this is a perfect one for you to get the black stallion estate wine uh cabernet sauvignon 2014 yeah so at 18 like i would i would pick this up again for red wine oh like it's definitely um there were actually there have been two elite well not two there's another one and i'd have to go back to the catalog Mm -hmm. where basically i'm like it tastes like red wine and it's not a bad thing Mm -hmm. like this tastes like a good red wine where like I don't need to worry about yeah. like matching to flavors or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. this would be really good with a steak. Oh yeah, and some sort of caramelized onion because like I think the onion, the sweetness of the onion would set off the red mm-hmm. wine really well. Now if you could cook, if you had two bottles of it and you could cook the the red, right. the onions and mushrooms, if you do that sort of combination yeah, in them, like my parents yeah. do, be great. But you know mm-hmm. whatever you can get. I should try that sometime because I made pulled pork today. Um, and it's pretty good, but it'd be interesting to try to do like pulled pork with a little bit of wine. Well, if you do Carolina style, that's what I, think, I do. Yeah, I, think, I only do Carolina style. So good thing about moving to the East Coast. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love, I love Carolina well, style. Well, pork. so, so another. Actually, I think, I think you're the one who brought me Carolina style pulled pork for the very first time ever. Possibly. Eh, maybe not. Because I always had the Kansas City style with the sweet, yeah. the sweet like thick sauce. On yeah. It. So one of the things that. I will, you know, so a fond memory down memory lane, yeah. but this is a memory from when I was 21, which was, holy crap, 10 years yeah, ago, yeah. Um, eating food at Jacob's house that we had left out multiple days in a row sure. because we he had cooked it with so much vinegar. Well, that's, and that's always in, in our, my opinion. In his mind. <laughs> yeah. In my, it wasn't that much vinegar. Yeah. In, my <laughs> like, opi- in my opinion, you don't have to refrigerate food that's been cooked in vinegar, whether that's true or not. Irrelevant. I don't know, like, <laughs> and that's the thing is like maybe when you're drinking as much beer as we were at the time, yeah. and you're just like poisoning yourself with right, that. Right. Maybe you can eat anything you want, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. So that's a yeah. a fond memory. So speaking of the Napa Valley area, mm-hmm. um, Diane Feinstein, yeah, who is favorite. a the uh, cultured eighty four senate eighty four year old senator yeah. from California, former, senior former mayor of San Francisco, yeah, yeah. from seventy eight to eighty eight, eighty eight, yeah, seventy eight to eighty eight. Some of the worst 
times in yeah. San Francisco history right. that the current mayors of San Francisco have been trying to wipe out. And now, granted, it's not exactly Diane's fault because there's a lot of um, dealing with the problems of the hippies that moved there who had no idea what was going on in the late 60s, mm-hmm. you know, summer of 69, which is only 10 years. It's actually less than 10 years before that. So there's a lot of problems she had to deal with, you know, people, burnouts, yeah. things like that. So you can give her a little bit of credit there. Yeah. But she's 84 years old. She recently, apparently, like, released some sort of documentation because she had the flu and she was out of her own mind. Right. Has failed to get the nomination for her Senate run right. of the California Democratic Party. So now, I read a little bit of that article. I read I, the entire article. Okay. I, I can't remember if it was the Zero Hedge one. I went and read one on Fox as well and, okay. one, and one on ABC as well. Oh, somebody it. taking multiple Yeah, I just opinions. wanted to see what, because like, no, that's good. I, I like Zero Hedge a lot. I always am just interested what other people have to no, say. No, no, no. That's, that's, so, that's really good. Like, that's, yeah. that's actually... That's so good, Fox, good reporting. Fox has a very, very negative article on this. ABC has a very, po- not a positive article, but a less negative article mm-hmm. where they say the way that the Democrats in California work is that you have to secure 60% of mm-hmm. the nominating vote in order to get the additional funds. It doesn't mean you don't have the nomination. It just means that you don't get the additional funds if you get the nomination. So the way Zero Hedge phrased the article, I could see them just basically assuming you knew that. Zero Hedge right. is a lot of stuff where it's sure. like it's like Jason Stapleton. Jason Stapleton has the ten episode challenge yeah. where like basically you have to have listened to the last ten episodes for like anything he's talking yeah. about to make sense. Yeah, because he builds which on it. is yeah. true and it's not true. Like sometimes you actually really have to listen to a lot more than that. And then right. other times like Jason's really good at recapping. Sure. So he doesn't really kind of leave you in the dark constantly. Yeah. You go like, actually, oh I don't know. I want to talk a little bit about Jason. Yeah. It's you know how I told you I was so bummed to yeah. hear that like he was he was splitting up with his wife and that he had moved to California and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And like it took me like I I was like, I gotta sit down and think about this. Why does it bum me out so much? And like it's like I, I I'm not saying that like I didn't lose respect for him or anything like that because I don't know his situation and that sort of thing. But I was just like I feel like the people that we listen to frequently on podcasts, I feel like they're my friends. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, he must have been going through a hard time and he didn't tell me. <laughs> and like, I couldn't comfort him. Yeah. And, that, like that and, that's, sort of thing. and that's, that's like that. So when Tom Woods has days where he doesn't post an episode and then like something goes out on Twitter, which yeah. I, I don't, you know, so if you're, so as usual, we are terrible about our, our own self promotion. Sure. Uh, tastinganarchy.com we've got reviews of show notes all that sort of stuff Um, we're also on the -hmm. Twitters which is mainly Jacob going around and actually and and one of the people people. who I mess with the most is Diane Feinstein I really dislike her so it's because I'm from California but and so there's more to more to say about Diane Feinstein um, but so the thought yeah so like so that's the sort of thing where like you know we're on Twitter that's really Jacob Mm -hmm. Uh, if you see something that doesn't make any competent sense to the narrative that Jacob has been putting out, yeah. that's because I got on and did something. <laughs> so, like, um, we've discussed releasing um, or posting this report about the U.S. biological weapon usage yeah. in, in uh, the Korean War, mm-hmm. and then also possibly hosting the uh, documents on our website um, just as another place to ensure that they don't go down, even though I, I believe Scott Horton has got them backed up. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he does. Um, but in to support Scott's efforts. So if you don't listen yeah. to Scott Horton show, go for it. It's so good. Yeah. And so this is one of those ones where, um, so this is a, a, a series that I'm trying to get flushed out and mm-hmm. thought of. It's uh, superior grapes. Yep. And those are people that in the Liberty movement are just in general that we think mm-hmm. are superior. And Scott Horton is one of those guys sure. where it's, it's just, 
Like I'm reading Fool's Errand and I hate reading it because it's just like it's depressing. It, not only is it depressing, it's just like you have he has so effectively made his point in the first five minutes of the right. book. You're just like, and this is this is kind of classic Scott Horton thing, and it's classic Tom Woods. It's kind of like I'm going to tell you all these things, and Jason too. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know what to tell you to do about it, and like you know, vote for somebody else. But like, I don't know if Scott necessarily votes. Like, I know, like, Tom Woods, like, he doesn't really vote by most of the time, but he does vote occasionally. Yeah. I know Jason votes, and Jason, yeah. po- like, really pushes voting. I vote for the hell of it. Yeah. And you don't really I vote because— rare, Yeah, I mean, I do sometimes, you but d- yeah. Yeah, this thing is, like, if you've got nothing else to do and you're like, I'm near the polling station, I'm just going to go yeah. down to screw with them. Right. So, like, we, you know, we, we get it, like, if you're a libertarian or anarchist like us and you don't vote, and we also get it if you choose to vote. And right. we also understand if you go in and write Mickey Mouse or draw, try to draw pirate ships and just screw sure. with them. Yeah. We understand everything you're doing there. We think it's hilarious. Yeah. Now, if you're going in and writing Bernie Sanders, we really wish you weren't. But, yeah. you know, hey, that's 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 your business. Well, actually, and- there was, who was it that, there was a libertarian who during the election made the, made the, uh, the argument that you should be supporting <laughs> Hillary because it would collapse the system faster, which I thought was an interesting <laughs> position. Well, now my problem with that position is that you're also now granted Trump has killed thousands already, probably hundreds of thousands already. I don't um, think he's. I don't think he's that high not yet. That high I, yet? No, I don't think you can lay Yemen at his feet because there's nothing that you could have done right. to correct the cholera and other outbreaks. Yeah. In the time frame that time Trump has been there, yeah. like you couldn't bring in that much fluid, you couldn't bring. There well, was, I mean, he could there's the blockade. That, well, that yeah. but that's the thing is the blockade wouldn't solve it. Yeah, because the Iranians don't have sure. 2.6 billion dollars to bring in food aid. Well, and the yeah. the UN's not doing. But it. But there's been a number of humanitarian organizations who've tried to get access to Yemen and and they've been blocked by the U.S. Oh no, no I, I 100 percent so, agree. But yeah. there, the, so like this is one of those things where like. You and I get together and we yeah. say we're a humanitarian access group, right. and then we petition the government to go to Yemen. Mm-hmm. It's just us. Right. So maybe the U.S. government sure. says no yeah. because they're just like, you're going to get murdered, and we don't want to deal yeah. with this. Right. Or it's like uh, Doctors Without Borders, and it's just yeah. like, no, 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 we've murdered a bunch of you already, and we don't yeah. still want any more of you there. Sure. Or it's the Red Cross, and you're like, there's no reason you should be stopping these people. Yeah. Yeah. Like So there's so many facets yeah, yeah, to yeah, that. Yeah. To the, But like, so like argumentatively – Trump's doing his own fantastic yeah, job yeah. of collapsing the system, but sure. what a trillion dollar deficit on top of oh, twenty yeah, billion dollars owed? Like, yeah, yeah it's so, ridiculous. But all right, to so get back to Diane Feinstein, sure. so she failed to secure sixty percent. So she's not the official nominee, and she's not yeah, supposedly yeah. supposedly not getting the money. Which right. I'll tell you is bullshit, and we know it's bullshit because we know how the DNC works. Yeah. They're going to give her the money. Well, the, yeah, and you know what's funny though to me is I'll like, give them both the money. You give them both the money, or I mean, they're only going to run one, and that's sure, and that's pretty sure. But like, she's eighty-four. She's eighty-four, and has admitted her mental state was compromised. Yeah. That she released possibly classified information. Yeah. Which I mean, like, honestly, if she went in and so there's the thirteen pages at the end yeah. of the the nine eleven report. I would love it. Like, I would vote for Feinstein if she yeah. went in and just like took it. Took her cell phone, which is probably a jitterbug, yeah, and took pictures of all of those pages, and then sure. just released them and was like, "Put me in jail." Yeah, like I'm Diane Feinstein. One, yeah. you're not going to be able to put me in jail. Two, I'm 84. Like right. you're not putting me in. Jail. Like that's the thing is, like I don't understand how you like. I maybe maybe I do understand because 
Like, Hillary is younger than Trump, I think. She is yeah, by yeah. one year. Yep. Yeah. So, like, I get if you were like, I'm going to vote for Hillary because she's just younger. I think they're both garbage. Sure. But I've got to vote for one of them if you were in that idiocy. Yeah. Like, but, like, I could see voting for Feinstein because the ultimate point of this article is Feinstein, who is not actually that progressive. Mm-hmm. She's California liberal, which is pretty yeah. progressive. Right. Is running against a progressive. He's yeah. not a, he doesn't call himself a liberal. He calls himself specifically sure. a progressive, which yeah. is. And like if you Our go, term, and if you go asshole. If you go, yeah, if you go read some of his wiki stuff, it's like, holy crap. Yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah. like Feinstein's not representing California values. Yet, I think on the last time on the show, we talked about how the California government is essentially forcing their sure. own rules on the rest of the country because they're yeah. the largest market. Right. Which and is, instead you know, of producing a great two, reason to split the state up, it, well, that's the thing is like not even it's not even a great reason to split the state up. It's a great reason to just kick California out and yeah. then be like, if you want to come back. Stop doing this dumb right. shit. Whether you come back as six, you come back as one, we don't care. Right. Just, but like, so the whole point was Feinstein, you know, she isn't super progressive. It's just like yeah. Hillary. Hillary's not a progressive, nor is Obama. Right. They both were against well, gay I marriage. Mean, they're, they're almost all neocons. Well, is, well that's is, the thing is, you can be a progressive and a neocon. That's, that's true. That's, yeah, that is, yeah. those are independent well, political philosophies. <laughs> the, uh, Psychotic Bur- murderer. Bernie, Bernie, let's bomb Yugoslavia Sanders. And uh, we'll talk to him about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, think I mean, like, our, our Bernie Sanders is our whipping boy for anything because he's true. just a psycho. Yeah. But, like, the whole point is, like, Feinstein, 84 years old. And, like, this is one of those things. It's like, if Ron Paul was 84 years old saying, like, I feel confident. I still vote for Like, him. like yeah. if, he's, if, if Ron Paul said, like, at 84 years old, I feel I'm competent to run yeah. for Senate and execute the duties of a senator. Right. I'd be like, okay, I'm still not voting for you. One, because I don't think you should, like, Ron Paul would be, one of the things is I don't think Ron Paul needs that stress. Yeah, like, that's true. Like, yeah. and when he's saying, like, the duties of a senator, I'd be like, well, there's yeah. there's very few duties that I think an 84-year-old couldn't perform as right. a senator, because it's, don't vote for shit that's not for the yeah. Constitution, which is basically Ron Paul saying, I'm not going to vote for anything. So it's like, I don't care if you're 100. You just vote no every time. Yeah. It's easy. Well, like, and I'd, I'd want to talk to him. I'd be like, you remember you told your wife that this was your time and that you guys need to spend more time together. Yeah, and that, and that you know, so that's, that's the thing is, like, I wouldn't vote for him because I think, like, he doesn't deserve it. Yeah. Because he deserves so much better than that. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. that, like, he doesn't deserve it because... He deserves a billion dollars. It's like, oh, like, we're going to give this homeless guy a hundred dollars. It's like, no, no, no. He doesn't deserve it. Why? He deserves a million dollars because I'm a progressive. No. Right. Like, Ron Paul deserves way more than that. And just leave him, like, you know, what he's doing. He's doing what he Let him hang out at Lake Jackson. He's he's doing exactly what he wants to do. And I'm very glad for him of that. But, like, Feinstein, in the last year, admitted she was not mentally competent Mm. in her actions. Based on something she did on the Senate floor. It's not like she was going like, well, I wasn't mentally competent when I was reviewing this report and was discussing it with this reporter. She was on the floor of the Senate mm-hmm. and did something that supposedly yeah. she wasn't in her right mind. What? Like, well, and you think you need to go for another six years? Yeah. Well, this is like, I, I don't know that this is relevant at all to Diane Feinstein, but one of the things while I was looking up your article and reading about it is... Her husband says he's worth $43 million or something mm-hmm. like that. But other sources, which are various, you know, bank, uh, he's an investment banker for those of you who don't know. Um, yes, I looked him up a little bit. Yeah, he's worth, according to other sources, not according to himself, but according to other sources, he's worth well over a billion. 
And for the types of things that Diane Feinstein like advocates, I cannot imagine that she would jeopardize. And I could be totally wrong about this. She would jeopardize the future of her family unless she had some sort of assurance that these were like that there was protections in place to protect that money. So this is one or, of those... or she has so much that she doesn't understand what's going on. So this is one of those things where like I don't think so because who who's the other one from the Bay Area? Uh, Pelosi. Congress, Pelosi, who's also worth ungodly amounts of money. Her husband is. Her husband, husband's a hundred millionaire. Yeah. So. I've got a couple couple of thoughts. I want to come back to Pelosi because sure. there's a, another good thing about Pelosi yeah. recently, which is hilarious. Also, one of my favorite people to tweet at. Yeah. So, and all their all other tweets are retarded. Like well, they're like, and I know that they're not actually tweeting them because they're too old. Well, I mean, <laughs> Trump's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, like but, I, I think in this, like Maxine Waters, if you're not pissing on her yeah. on Twitter, right. like you're really missing out. Well, actually, you should follow the Maxine Waters parody account because that's hilarious. So, like, so this is one of those things that, like, Paul Krugman drank the Kool-Aid yeah. so long ago. Right. Like, he he's very smart and he's very quick. Mm-hmm. He's read the things that he's, and he's read Austrian economics. Like, yep. he's read a lot of these books. He doesn't believe it. I don't think Feinstein has a concept that the U.S. can fail. Like, it's not that, like, whereas you and I are like, how do we get enough money, enough gold, enough Mm -hmm. friggin' toenails from warthogs, whatever it is for money, Mm -hmm. to make it through until stability arrives, or we can get somewhere where there is stability. Right. Feinstein doesn't think like that. There's no failure of the United States. Mm -hmm. She came up in the results of the Depression— Right. If not through the depression at eighty four, I don't think she was in the depression itself. Like right. in a true concept, she came yeah. up in. I think she came up in World War Two. Right. They came up through like, and then they lived through stagflation. Right. That's the worst that you like theoretically. That's the worst the United States has yeah. experienced. And if you're wealthy going through stagflation, it's not that. But big she of a wasn't deal. wealthy at the yeah. time. Like, cause I, like, I don't think she was wealthy at the time. But that's the thing is like they 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 kind of people have this concept that like. Of the Roman crisis, it's like of the the crises that Rome experienced. You look at Rome at like twelve hundred years or whatever. Like if you want to count Constantinople, the crises they went through, you're kind of like, well, you were worried about that, right? No one was being murdered. You just were broke. Yeah. Like you couldn't hold Anatolia, sure, for four years, well, and then you went back yeah. and murdered everyone in sight. Like yeah. so, I think they and somebody and somebody was talking about this recently too. Is that like? There were Roman writers predicting the end of Rome like 400 years before it fell. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 so, and so that their point was like America could be at the end tomorrow or it could be at the end 400 years from now. And, but and, we're at the we're in the end. Well, and this is this is what people don't seem to understand. Look at Britain today. Yeah. You wouldn't look at Britain and be like, it's the worst country you could ever live in. Right. Like, I want to live in Britain. Like, I like, well, mainly I want to live in Britain because of the, the temperature. Yeah. I like, I like the British weather. Right. But, like, Britain is the survivor empire. Like, yeah. they're super in debt and, you know, they have all these other problems, but, like, they just keep on keeping on. It's mm-hmm. like Italy. They just, Italians wake up every day and go, Finger to the government. I'm not paying taxes. I'm gonna drive uh, my car. And like, if you go to Rome, all the cars have dents. Yep. Like, you just don't buy a car where you're like, oh, I don't, I can't. It's noon. Time to drink wine and eat lunch for yeah. three hours. Exactly. And that. So that's one of the things is like people don't seem to understand is like when Rome fell. Yeah. Literally, people with swords 
came right. in and killed a bunch of them. Right. We're not at that risk. Right. Like, yeah, people are like, oh, there's going to be an economic collapse. Sure. The, yeah. Yes. But I mean, like, the but United it, States is still one of the most productive countries in food, so I, I don't see it being like a it, starvation it, issue. And that's the thing is, like, people are like, oh, the dollar is going to be worthless. Sure. In, I got some silver. In, in France, <laughs> the dollar will be worthless. Yeah. But to other Americans, they'll keep taking dollars. Like, right. there's, there's never been a situation where the local currency has failed so completely, people weren't willing to accept it. Even right. in the Weimar Republic, right. they still accepted yeah. barrels of money sure. for food. Like, they would have gladly taken dollars, yeah. and they would have gladly taken gold, right? but they still took those in, like, even in Zimbabwe. Like, so, like, this, this concept Yeah, they still take it. It's just a lot of it. Yeah, they, you need a lot of it. Like, there, there is no... There is no situation except for what Trump is trying to engineer with Russia, mm-hmm. which he's really not even trying to engineer with Russia. It's just like this weird Korean thing. Like, I don't understand what it is about Korea. Right. I think Trump's old enough that he remembers Korea as the, the one that got away. I, Viet, I think yeah. he I think he saw Vietnam yeah. as enough punishment to not want to re, reinstate that. But Korea is that one where it's like we left we left some people there. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Vietnam, we left a lot of people there that got died and were lost yeah. and things like that. Actually, there's something I was reading recently about like, this, that, like, the whole end of Vietnam was way different than what I remember being taught. Oh, yeah? Whereas, like, we left. Yeah, and, like, two years later, they fell. Two years later, yeah. So, and it was only after, I guess, the United States was like, well, we're not giving air support anymore. And, yeah. then, and then they finally fell. Well, that's the thing is, like, but, if we had continued air support or just transferred sure. the air capacity to them, right. they, they could have held out yeah. forever. Yeah. Which is interesting to me that that's what was going on because my baby daddy-in-law is Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and I ask him about this stuff all the time and he doesn't know. He's just not interested. Yeah. But, like, his parents are, I guess, not refugees exactly, but they, they still own property and stuff like that in Vietnam as much as you can own property. You and, can you can totally own property yeah. in Vietnam. Vietnam is, like, if, like, like, fake, like, well, not fake capitalism, but, like, capitalism with bribes. Vietnam is one of those places where, like, if you're white, yeah, you can do business in Vietnam. Yeah, like you could just go in, go to Vietnam, and generally, as long as you don't say the wrong thing, like mm-hmm. I'm going to beat you up, Mister Policeman, yeah. or like screw the Central Committee, yeah, you can go into Vietnam and make a nice living yeah. and do very well. Like Vietnamese people are wonderfully nice. Yeah, just don't piss off the government. Well, he like, wants he wants us to go out there so I can get some suits. Oh, because apparently like oh you know, like, super cheap. No, no, no. like that's the thing. So this is so there's a and like some like really nice shirts too. Apparently they'll t- they'll and like for those of you who don't know it's bes- on, it's on the show is they can do things that are custom. And I'm a strange shaped six foot five. So it's very difficult for me to find shirts and suits. It do, it, and and it doesn't matter what size I am. I'm yeah. a strange shape. Yeah. So this is so this is one of the things that like I have v- long wanted to go to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So Top Gear, BBC show. Okay. They go to Vietnam at one point. Oh, okay. And they rent motorcycle. They get motorcycles and they drive through Vietnam and they're just lambasting the U.S. and the, the war effort in Vietnam. Sure. And it, the first time I saw it, it really pissed me off. And then I eventually was kind of like, oh wait. Yeah. They have a point for a lot of this, sure. yeah. and, but like they get custom suits and they don't get good suits. I, I think they probably did get good suits and they yeah. just didn't show it in the show. Right. But like they like, and it was in 24 hours, yeah. like people sewed overnight. And like, that's the thing is like, they were spending $300 on a suit. Mm-hmm. That was a $1,200 suit. Right. And, and it's like, yeah, but like you were staying in a resort that yeah. cost you an arm and a leg, but in Vietnamese terms. And you're, so you're like, right. $50 a night, and you're like, ah, whatever. Well, according to 
my baby daddy-in-law, uh, he his family owns a property there, like on the beach. It's like having beachfront in Hawaii, according to him. And he says it's gorgeous. Like it's just it's it's unbelievably beautiful. You walk outside, you're on the beach. It's a it's from our terms a mansion, and it's fully staffed. But their family only goes there two months a year. Yeah, Vietnam is an amazing place because it's inexpensive. Yeah, yeah. And so he, like he was like I, I he's like I so badly want to take white people out there with me because just to show them how great it is. Be, and because he's never gone out there with anybody yeah. who's not Asian, and obviously I'm not Asian or not Vietnamese. And, yeah. Or Asian, <laughs> but, but uh, uh, and neither is my sister, who is uh, the the mother of his child. And, but he's like, you know, when we go out there, we'll, we'll get measured for suits. We'll get some really nice custom dress shirts. You can get all the fabrics you want. Cause I always want kind of loud fabrics. Like they don't make anything in my size that is interesting. Yeah. No, and, it's, it is one of those things where like in the next couple of years, I'm going to do that. Okay. Well, if I can like, hook it up. Oh yeah. You, me, Athen, Joy's uh, baby daddy. And uh, if Victoria wants to go and like your wife, whoever oh, wants to go, we'll go yeah. out there and, and check it out. It'll be, it'll yeah, be fun. It'll be awesome. Yeah. I, I'd yeah. love to go. I've, I've always really wanted to go to Southeast Asia, but it's always been a language issue. But Athens speaks about five languages and he's, and one of them is Vietnamese. And oh, so, yeah. Well, it's the thing is like if you know to get a fixer ahead of time. Yeah. It's not a problem. And like Vietnam, from everything I understand, it's like as long as you're not being an idiot, mm -hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. Because like everybody's friendly and right. everybody wants. Wants a little bit of dollars. Well, and that's the thing is like they don't want dollars in that like I'm going to take your shoes sure. if you don't give. They're like, no, no, no. Let's do business. Like I, I want to sell you this amazing food I've made. I want to like go show you these cool sites. Like I want to be a good person mm -hmm. and make some money mm -hmm. where you know it's like that classic american thing where it's like and that's the thing that like i think a lot of people don't get about most americans is most americans want to do a good job yeah like most americans don't want to be bad at something like there are very few americans that i i run into that just don't care yeah they may not care about their current job right but like providing you a good show because they think they're a good guitarist they mm -hmm. really want to be a good guitarist right. for you they really want to be the best museum guide or whatever right. dumb thing they think they should be doing. Yeah, whatever they passion just, they have. Yeah, yeah. Like, pe like the problem with most Americans is they think their passion equates to a living. Right. Whereas most, I think most poor countries, it's no, no, no. I have a passion for making money. Yeah. Which has led me to this other passion mm. of being a cook. And I'm right. a really good cook. Right. Or blah, 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 blah. Like just all those things where it's like, no, no, no. This is what you got to do to survive. And that there was a, I can't remember if it was a Tom Wood show, something about like, like China not having a social safety net, which meant like they, they have the supposed social safety net, mm -hmm. which they really don't. But like their people are super industrious. And the US used to be that way. Like right. we used to be super industrious and we're still one of the most industrious countries in the world, but that's just technology. It's like, right. oh yeah, like I can program six lines of code and I'm better than a quarter of the world. Mm -hmm. Yet- I can write hello world in almost any language you come up with. Yeah. Yet you could probably write X, Y, and Z program. Yeah, sure. You know, it, it's just, there's a level beyond. Mm -hmm. And so, but tying it back to Feinstein. Yeah. Who the hell is wanting to elect an 84 year old? Like, yeah. That, it's such a very, it's a strange thing. And it kind of goes to show to me, actually, well, maybe it doesn't show to me is that I feel like Trump has been such a disruptor into the political process that the DNC and the RNC really are going like, well, we're not really sure what to do now. And Diane Feinstein is establishment. And 
you know, so is like uh, Pelosi. The other? Pelosi. Pelosi, also establishment. There's been a lot of rumors going on that the DNC is not going to endorse Pelosi if they take the House. They're not going to induce her or, or endorse her as Speaker of the House. Oh, I, I would be surprised um, if they did. But apparently she's um, she's the minority leader right now. She is. And so tradition or whatever holds that she would go into that position. But uh, they're kind of going like, well, we really would prefer somebody to be more. And, and this, to me, is a political mistake is they're like, well, we want to appeal to these kind of like college progressives who don't vote exactly and that and that's i think the mistake that and this happened with uh not too long ago from this episode was the state of the union Mm -hmm. and the response was given by young mr kennedy um from the kennedy family uh family of drunks and murderers and uh amongst other things philanderers yeah amongst other things but he gave a speech and i and i think that like when i was watching the speech i was like okay i mean that's not a great speech but like it's okay and then he gave a portion of the speech in spanish and i went you you guys really don't understand why trump won and you and i are both kind of open borders people like i i get the closed border libertarian position and i sort of agree with it I, i'm kind of on the border with it where <laughs> on the border, of course. <laughs> uh, uh, so much better than I was. I was awake enough to follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I am. I am kind of on the the cusp of it because I do get that. Like, if I'm being stolen from to produce this social safety net, and then you're bringing people in and giving them welfare and that sort of stuff, I get that position of it. But at the same time, I would rather just have the the free movement of people because I know the economic benefit of it. Well, and so th- this is the thing that I've always wondered. If you could just get let, enough let me, let me people that. here, the one point. Yeah. Though, okay. Good. Is yeah. That please. When he gave when he gave the the portion of that speech in Spanish to me, I was like, "You guys don't understand why Trump won. The reason Trump won is because you keep keep doing this stuff, and the people that voted for him are the former janitor of the elementary school in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, whose job was taken by Jose or or Hernando or Jesus or whoever, because Jesus will work for fifty percent of what Joseph Smith will work for or whatever. These are the people who they're voting for him." Or the people that are union employees that worked in the coal mine who voted Democrat their entire life, but their coal mine's still shutting down. And from their perspective, it's because of this changing tide of demographics, Mm -hmm. and the Democrats are still appealing to this. And I think that that is a huge mistake. And I don't think that they're going to actually win back the House or the Senate in the next one. I think they're going to have a much harder time of it, or it's going to be very close at least. I think we're going to see – so. I hate to give this answer because I know this answer is bullshit. It is either going to be chaos. Mm -hmm. It's going to be Jacob Lindsay wins and Jacob wasn't even running Mm -hmm. and runs like not even not even communist. Right. Like true socialist, like post communist socialist where it's like, no, no, no. We're going to just destroy everything. Yeah. Or it's going to be straight blue and red classic mm-hmm. like Mitt Romney people right like Mitt and Hillary it, it's mm-hmm. it's not it's either going to be these outlandish buffoons like Trump yeah who are just going to either fall in line mm-hmm. or be one and dones because they're you know we're talking about the house really right they're gonna be one and dones or they're gonna be people where it's like they just like they're either gonna be just these weirdos or it's gonna be establishment figures like the Trump phenomenon has not done anything and and like what it did was it broke the back of two families yeah the bush but not really because he didn't lock her up right he didn't prosecute Mm -hmm. w 
He right. didn't do the things that he could do and easily do. Like the, yeah. the evidence is there right. and it's not even hard to find. It's just available. Right. But I mean, he could, I think, like, I mean, if he was inclined, he could probably press charges against Bush Sr. I think every living, yeah. I think he could. And, put, and Clinton. I think he. <laughs> uh, I, other I, Clinton, the male Clinton. Yeah, I think he could put Carter in jail. Yeah. Like, I, I think he could actually still put Carter in jail for right. crimes Carter. But I, I don't think there's statute of limitations on murder. So Well. Maybe there is. I don't know. I but, think the ordering of murder. Yeah. Like, but that's the thing is like he would have to put himself in jail at this point. Sure. At yeah. this point, yeah. But like, so that's the that's the thing. It's where like, can you self pardon? <laughs> you can technically if you're yeah. the president because you don't. Well, you don't. You just order. Whatever, There's a lot yeah. of things you could do, but like, so that's that's what's the Trump phenomenon isn't a phenomenon. I don't think it's a phenomenon either. I think it's a symptom. Well, and this is the thing is like, I think people, I think one of the things that people forget is what Reagan represented to the Republican party. So many people look at the Republican party before and after Reagan, Mm -hmm. but they don't look at what the Republican party ran into when they ran Reagan against, was it Ford? Like, so no, no, no. it so, was, uh, um, is the one that Reagan didn't make the nomination. Yeah. The, in 78 or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who it was. And, and I think it was the, there was as much hyperbole mm-hmm. from people. It just, there wasn't the internet. Yeah. The difference is the internet this time. Oh, sure. Because Reagan was saying the same shit. Losing your jobs because of this. You're losing right. your jobs because of this. America, blah, blah, blah. Like we're going to do all these things. What did he do? He turned around and spent money. Yeah. Like it, like he, well, let's be honest. Like he had a printing press. Right. Which he did. Yeah. So like, that's the thing is like, and this is one of those things. It's like, they didn't elect Ron Paul. Right. They elected a guy who had no idea what he was doing, Mm -hmm. which should have been amazing. Right. And there are a lot of things that are amazing about it. So there's a podcast that I love to hate. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, Russian roulette, and that's the thing is, your wife's from the Ukraine. Sure. I knew Russians from, like, a job I worked at some point. Like, I'm super interested in the Soviet state. Like, I'm super interested in people who grew up in Soviet times. Mm -hmm. I'm super interested in Eastern Eastern Europe. I'm super interested in the Central Asian country. Like, Mm -hmm. that is what I am interested in. Right. It's still a mystery, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, Afghanistan's a mystery. Like, why why are these people who have nothing able to defeat people who theoretically have everything right and they've always done it yeah so like that that's the thing like so this russian roulette podcast they were like totally on the trump russian narrative oh yeah and it's like wait 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 you guys haven't come back and said you're wrong because they're part of some dc think tank called cis like which is like center for strategic and international Mm -hmm. relations some shit like that and they are like super interesting people like they both speak russian Mm -hmm. one's from the soviet bloc and like but it's like you grew up in a shithole and a, like this thing, but you're still like pissed Hillary didn't win. Right. Who wants to be like, a, so it was basically like the Democrats are like, let's be socialists. Yeah. And like the Republicans are like, let's be socialist. Like, mm-hmm. let's blow all this money. And that's, that's the thing. It's like, they didn't elect Ron Paul. Right. They didn't yeah. elect Rand Paul. They didn't elect Tom Woods. Right. They elected some guy who had no idea what he was doing, yeah. who basically said, I don't want to be assassinated. Because that's what he was mm-hmm. facing, so he buddied up to the military because right. he didn't have the DNC or the RNC to stop him yeah. from being assassinated. Like Seth Rich was murdered by the DNC. Oh, sure. I, I don't care what like anybody says. Yeah. He was murdered by the DNC or people who thought they were acting for the DNC. The DNC may truly not have had anything to do with it, right? But people associated with the DNC did. 
And it's like, why is Trump? Why didn't Obama get killed? He didn't buddy up to the military, but he did actually. If you read yeah. Fool's Errand, he did. He, he buddied up to the military. He didn't buddy up to the military-industrial complex as much as Bush was doing. Right. But, but he, he buddied, was also. But he was also the darling of the DNC. Exactly. So. so the people who had already made all the contacts protected him. Right. Trump didn't have any of those people. Yeah. What did he do? He got the military itself. Right. Who apparently the Republicans and the Democrats are tripping over to feed money into it. Right. I don't like maybe there is something about a soft coup that could happen that I just don't yeah. understand. I mean, yeah, like then you have like President Mattis or whatever takes over well, and like skips over Pence or something yeah, weird well, like th- that. That's the thing. It's like, you you know, in Hampton Roads, you can come around the corner and see three aircraft carrier sure, yeah. sitting there. And the United States claims that an aircraft carrier is enough to bring down most nations. Russia doesn't think so because they're not yeah. they're not building aircraft carriers, though they could. Yeah. The British are the only ones who are trying to catch up to the United States by building two. The Chinese, population wise, having two is minuscule mm-hmm. by like statistical yeah. comparison compared to what we have. But right. the they're both all of them, except for the United States, are working on carrier killing missiles. Mm-hmm. The United States is like, Oh, you can't touch the carriers. Now there right. could be some logic to that. Right. We have way more technology than we like to admit, and that's the thing that like it's like the Soviets, as we like to point out, that the, you know, we when we finally got in there, we found out like their tanks couldn't go in reverse, right. and then like and they like, couldn't. A lot of their silos didn't open. Yeah, like, like the doors that, yeah. didn't open. Most people weren't willing to carry out the order. Yeah. Like in the United States, was like super afraid that if they didn't carry out the order, everyone was going to die. The Soviets were like, "There's no way the Americans are that stupid. They're not going to nuke us. Right. Like this order's false. We're not doing yeah, it." Yeah, like. Yeah. So, like, the only thing that you had to worry about from the Soviets was the subs. Yeah. And, like, we knew where most of those were because they were noisy as shit. Right. And we were following them because we have more subs than anybody on the planet. Yeah. Like, that, and so that's the thing is, like, are, is the U.S. a paper tiger or is the U.S. a really, really dangerous tiger that everyone's just, like, allowing the military to tell us mm-hmm. isn't? Yeah. Now, if we look at the F-35, we know it's not. We no, know that yeah. thing's not good. But also, who is one of the big people telling us the F-35 isn't good? Bernie guy, Sanders. Well, no. Oh, no, no. He's telling us it's good because his district supplies a large well, portion of the parts. Yeah. So who's telling us? The guy who designed the F-16 and the F-18. Oh, okay. So the guy who designed the plane that it's replacing is telling yeah. us it's not good. Yeah. But is that because he was involved in the upgrades to the plane? Right. Or is it because he's legitimately like studied all these things and saying, like, this is a boondoggle? Mm-hmm. Right. I'm inclined to believe both. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, wouldn't I mean, like, it. it took us forever to get the F twenty two working, right? But once it started working, it's like, no, this is a superior aircraft, right. To a point, yeah. It's much superior to the F thirty five, but like the F thirty five, oh, we could sell it to NATO, yeah. who's not well, spending any money. Let's uh, <laughs> let's to kind of like end bring, it here. Bring it, yeah. bring it in a little bit is because uh, I wanted to go on my thing, and, mm. and I, I don't want to do like uh, we got about ten minutes, and it's um, so kind of to go back to Diane Feinstein. One of the things that I've been like fighting with her on i mean she doesn't tweet me back but like to me i'm fighting her on it well just like jason's uh, your friend yeah exactly like, like, and I he feel is like, like he's yeah. my friend so like yeah i feel like all of these people are my friends yeah and diane feinstein on twitter feels like my twitter adversary even though she never responds <laughs> although like all the people that follow her and stuff like that like they'll they respond and they're all like you know that's wrong and like that's like something i can't remember what it was i could go over it but it was the whole uh, oh, that's what it was. Is, is she posted this thing about like restricting guns or whatever? Mm-hmm. And I posted a picture of Snoop Dogg, and I was like, "How's uh, restricting pot working out for you?" And the person repl- replied, "False equivalences. Um, you know, pot hasn't killed anybody. Guns have killed 
uh, hundreds of thousands. And I said, well, the war on drugs has killed hundreds of thousands. And where's Dein Feinstein on that? And they didn't respond. But then a lot, whole bunch of people were like, ooh. <laughs> but like, so anyways, but kind of to bring it back is that I think that like people like Dianne Feinstein and the people like the DNC and people in the RNC and these types of people. And, and I've been interacting with them a lot more in Twitter because there's a lot of crosstalk and um, there is something that is very pernicious and that's groupthink. Mm-hmm. And groupthink is uh, you are in a group and people that are in your group confirm your opinion and together you discount any other opinion, even well, if it's factual. I forget Jason Stapleton mentioned this the other day on the show and I forget who he was quoting, but he was like, um, like people are smart mm-hmm. groups are idiots. Yeah. And it's, it was like, it was like a movie or something like sure. that. And, um, it was somebody that like, I was really surprised that he was putting down as a movie star. Like, right. like why would you ever listen to that guy? And, oh man, I'll, I'll, I'll come up with it eventually. Okay. But it was like, uh, no, it was Tommy Lee Jones in Men in Black. Oh, okay. So like in Men in Black, Tommy Lee Jones is like, you know, humans are smart. Like people are like a person is smart. Right. Humans are morons. Yeah, and, and they are. And, and, like and that, groups of humans are yeah, morons. Yeah, they get into this thing called group thing. And, and this kind of brings up my article that I want to talk to over on Fee, mm-hmm. uh, Foundation for Economic Education, um, written by Christopher Booker. And he just recently published an article with, um, let me check who it is real quick. It's a UK article, uh, the Global Warming Policy Foundation. Oh. Yeah. And his policy, his article is about groupthink in climate change. And he goes over kind of the, I believe he is a psychologist or he's citing a lot of psychologists. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But he's, he kind of goes over uh, in this article on fee about his article in the uh, Global Warming Policy Foundation, um, his article is about groupthink in uh, in that area of global warming so, or global yeah global warming climate change issues, and so he kind of goes over the history and, and it's very interesting and, and you and I have both kind of known this for a while that like the global warming the history of global warming is is very dubious at best mm-hmm. and um, so he kind of goes over this he goes that there's a lot of groupthink in this and that you can see this when you try to talk to somebody who has bought into global warming whether it's true or not is irrelevant they will not look at any evidence that's contrary to it because it's science denial yeah and he says well if you actually look at the history of what's going on is that the the climate change scientists i'm doing air quotes for that have been wrong at every single point of yeah. their estimate and so he kind of goes into this. The reason I bring up the article is because I, I do think it's very interesting. And, and I'm not really a proponent or an opponent to the whole climate change philosophy because the solution for anarchists or for liberty-minded individuals has nothing to do with it being true or not. It has to do with property rights. Exactly. And so it's it's irrelevant to me whether the climate is changing or not. What's relevant to me is if you are polluting, you are doing the equivalent of putting trash on my lawn. Exactly. And – that is a problem, but the people who facilitate the ability for industrial companies to put trash on my lawn is the government, and they refuse to do what they're supposedly entitled or what they're supposedly empowered to do is protect my property rights. They refuse to do it, and there's a number of cases, and um, and I forgot to pull it up, but Walter Block has written an entire book on. I'm going to pull it up real quick just so I can share it with everybody. I'm going to so, put it in the show notes. So I will talk while Jacob's looking for it. Uh, Walter Block, as always, yeah. is. Um, 
If you need to find somebody who's involved with an article about something and it's on uh, libertarian stance or Austrian economics, if if uh, Rothbard himself didn't have something that relates to it, yeah. Walter Block is going to have something. Now, I'm I'm sure there are maybe a few articles that Walter has you know, helps co-write or, you know, that sort of thing that he may not fully agree with anymore. But for the most part, Walter Mm -hmm. is pretty good about being consistent about everything and or at least knowing like like the core of this is right. right. So his his paper, the one that I'm referring to, is called uh, Economics and the Environment, a Reconciliation. And so he goes through in this article the history of environmental law which you don't think of environmental law going back really much past the 70s. But he says, no, environmental law goes back to the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, where for a very long time, um, there's two instances of this. One is through the, in the Western United States, which is actually now the Midwest, and um, the uh, and Britain. So when the Industrial Revolution is happening in Britain, there was all these smokestacks. And little old ladies would, you know, put out their clothes on the line to dry or moms or whatever. Not necessarily little old ladies, but they put their their clothes out on the line. And when they come out, the clothes are covered in soot. Mm -hmm. So what they would do is they would bring suit under common law against the factory owners. The factory owners would be held liable. They would have to pay damages to the little old ladies or the moms or whoever who was drying their clothes because it's a property rights violation. You are putting soot onto their property. They did not ask for it. And they... So... When it became very costly for them to put out all the soot from their big smokestacks, they made the smokestacks very much taller. They put in like cooling facilities so that the, that it would cool down and there would be less soot. They put out in scrubbers and things like that. And the technology was progressing quite quite a bit, and there was a lot of less a lot less pollution coming out of the things until one judge, and this was during kind of the progressive era, the early early progressive era, late 1800s, uh, got a case for it, and he said. Um, it's true that they are violating your property rights under common law, but progress is more important than your property rights. And this factory employs a bajillion people and it produces all this great stuff. And so we are not going to respect your right to dry your clothes on the clothesline. We are going to respect the rights of the property owner or the uh, factory owner, and we're going to allow him to pollute your property. And that was the end of the technology improving. I mean, it's improved a little bit over time. But I mean, it has improved significantly over time, yeah. but for reasons that don't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and, and and the time period when they were recognizing this was exponential. Like they were cleaning these smokestacks up fast mm-hmm. because it was so costly. In the United States, you had a very similar situation. There were trains that would go across the western United States or what is now the Midwest. And these trains would, uh, from their smokestacks, the sparks would come out and like little embers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And these would go out when you're going through farmland. They would drop onto the dry uh, hay or wheat or whatever it was, and they would light the farm on fire. So all the farms were suing the, tr- the railroad company. And for a very long time, the railroad companies were getting better. They were putting on these different scrubbers on the on the smokestacks on the train. They were preventing all of the sparks from coming off until a judge said, well, the railroad is more important than your farm. And then the technology stopped. And so so progress, everybody thinks of like, one of the things that's very popular with the, the progressive left is that they're like, oh, well, we need funding for the sciences because there's, there'll be no advancement in science without the government. And I think that is, exi- all of the evidence shows that that is exactly opposite. When the government is involved, progress stops. And, and that's the thing is like, it, it 
I agree that progress slows down. Yeah. I think progress stops well, for stops a certain is, time yeah, frame. Yeah. yeah. I think it it's complacency. And sure. I think what it is, and this is one of the things that like you and I have talked about at length, mm-hmm. and I think we still probably agree on this position is when you make a law, mm-hmm. you instantly create a reason to get around the law. Yeah. And so there are two ways to look at it. Mm-hmm. There is compliance with the law cost and what it costs to get around the law. Right. And businesses generally will do both. Right. They will try to comply with the law to the point it becomes detrimental. And then if it saves them all of $1 to get around the law, they'll get around the law. And that's one of the things that, like, and I think that's legitimate business. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if a judge rules that it's, you know, bad to pollute my, you know, because my smokestack is lighting your field on fire – I'm going to try to keep doing business until it is either too costly mm-hmm. to keep lighting your field on fire or I can solve that solution sure. or come up with a way around it, yeah. like hover trains that don't do it, like right. whatever the answer whatever is. Whatever the deal is, yeah. Yeah. So, so what kind of going back to the article, this is sort of what he was talking about was, was the group thinking climate change is that he kind of goes through the history of it where he says that there was a small group of scientists in 1988, I think is what he said, and they are the ones who came up with the measurement that they're like, Our predictions are that CO2 will cause this amount of climate change over this amount of time uh, over the next hundred years, I think. And through a a series of events, they were able to get into the UN. The UN established uh, the IPCC, I think, um, is the Environmental Protection Agency or whatever that's from the UN. They did all these studies and... They're like, oh, sure enough, we're, you know, everybody's going to be dead in 100 years. Or by 2030, we'll all be dead. Yeah. So they made all these very, various benchmark predictions, stuff like that. And a lot of very prominent scientists at the time from MIT and from Berkeley and from like all these various places were like, your models are wrong. And, and you're not taking into account anything besides CO2 concentrations. And you don't take into account that CO2 is affected by plant growth. And if you look at the trend of plant growth over the last hundred years, we've been growing more plants for food and food production has gone up astronomically. That's going to affect CO2 levels. You're not taking that into account. You're not taking into account like the potentiality of algae blooms, which algae does consume CO2. And consumes some of the most amount of CO2 on the planet. Yeah. So they're saying like there's there's all of these things that you're not considering in your thing. And and, and these may not all be positive things either. But the yeah, reason they're just I, saying yeah, like there's a bunch of stuff yeah, missing from what you're talking about. And so and so they're like, nope, you're wrong. And so all the way through up until 1998, the temperatures were going up and it looked like, well, they may be right. So they got more people on board and more people on board and more people on board. And they got into this group think. And then in 1998, that was the last year that it warmed. And in 1999, it cooled because there's a really bad El Nino that year. And then it cooled. And it's been cooler for the last 20 years. But the oceans are absorbing it. That's what they say is that the oceans are absorbing it, which may or may not be true. I don't know. It's it's really irrelevant to the libertarian position, which is property rights. Yeah. But his point is that there is a psychological phenomenon of groupthink. We, we know it exists as far as what you know and he puts quotes on this consensus but he says the consensus of of environmental science is something that's absolutely false even the president at the at the time obama uh quoted that it as that 97 percent of scientists or whatever and even after he said that a bunch of the scientists that were on that paper like came out and said no 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 we didn't say that we said that our studies show that there is a increase in temperature we did not say it was man-made yeah and there's a bunch of people and, who came out and said that like unequivocally i said there just needed to be more research yeah and they said i was 
supporting the science and they're right. they're saying like it's it's an astronomically yeah. lower amount and this is so this is one of those things that like it's consistent right like mutually assured destruction mm-hmm. group thing says that's the way to go so that's the way they go like it, right. this is so this is one of those ones that like it's just more proof of something that we already knew existed like right. coin doctrine which is counterinsurgency sure counterinsurgency has never worked right never has yeah, but they still do it. They still do it. Yeah. Still trillions of dollars. Mm. Doesn't work. Well, so. one of the reasons why I picked this article, and because we'll go buy it, and if you guys want to check it out, go go look at the Foundation for Economic Education. It's a pretty interesting website. It's uh, one of the authors that I like on there a lot who has had some difficulties with Tom Woods, who is one of my number one superior grapes, uh, is Jeffrey Tucker. They've had a lot of disagreements, but I, I do enjoy Jeffrey Tucker a lot, and I think his writing on uh, Fee is very good. Um, and he, he's an excellent economist. He's also, I think he's the editor of the Catholic Music Review or something like that, which I think is interesting. I've never read it. I just always thought that was an interesting yeah. point. Um, very, very interesting guy. He's actually got one really, if I was going to recommend a YouTube video of his, he's got one how capitalism equates to love and compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you ever, if you guys ever want to see it, go check it out. But anyways, this article is from the Foundation of Economic Education. Uh, it's called Group Think on Climate Change Ignores uh, Inconvenient Facts, and it's by Christopher Booker. Very interesting article. I read I read Fee a lot. Um, they are not as pure as uh, Mises dot mm-hmm. uh, org. But they are are very good. They have a lot of very interesting articles, and they do tend to touch a lot more on cultural things than economic things. Yeah. So they're they're kind of the zero hedge is the punchy, yeah, quasi Austrians. Mises is just straight up Austrians, and yeah. they don't follow Rothbard's example yeah. of going a lot into super culture stuff. Mm-hmm. And fees not fees not technically Austrian. They do a lot of Chicago stuff as well. Fees that middle ground. Yeah, they're kind of like a middle ground. Because I mean, uh, Zero Hedge is not Austrian. Most no, of the they're time. not. Yeah, and they're, they're they're interesting. This was a very good article. I thought it, it's very interesting, yeah. and and the website has a lot of uh, interesting articles on it. And, and and really, I recommend Jeffrey Tucker. I think he's he's a great author, and he wrote a really good book um, called. Uh, bourbon for breakfast and he wrote another one that's very good called it's a jetson's world and it's all about how like uh, like anarchy oh he also wrote another one called beautiful anarchy which is very good but uh a lot of his stuff is is kind of like the government's irrelevant i'm not like but he he also tends to be kind of a left-leaning libertarian Mm. um but check it out yeah it's a good it's a good site um Again, the reason I brought this up to tie into tasting anarchy in wine is if global warming turns out to be true, and if it's CO2 related, we should be getting a lot of really interesting varietals of grapes. Yeah. Because plants are about 70% carbon, Mm -hmm. and and plants get their carbon from CO2. And uh, they're the the byproduct of humans is when we breathe in, we breathe in oxygen, we breathe out carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide. Plants breathe in carbon dioxide and they breathe out oxygen. Mm-hmm. So we have a very good relationship with plants. But one of the cool things is that if global warming is true, we'll be able to have longer growing seasons further north than we've ever had before. And so there'll be regions of Canada opened up to growing new grape varietals. And the grape varietals in southern regions will be warmer, so they'll be sweeter. And we'll have a larger productivity of grapes because you'll be able to produce more grapes because they'll be consuming more CO2, which kind of always goes back to my 
favorite thing that I've ever heard on Tom Woods' show is trash is an economics calculation. Yes. So if you could figure out how to turn somebody else's garbage into treasure, then it's not garbage anymore. It's your gold. And so if the, and, and we've seen this over the last, well, really over the last hundred plus years is that um, food production has astronomically increased. Mm-hmm. And part of it is technology, the ability to grow massive amounts of food. Part of it, if the CO2 concentration charts are to be believed, a higher concentration of CO2 means you can grow a shit ton more food. Yeah. So. And faster. With that, as usual, that's why we're abolitionists. Yep. And we are wanting to be free because, hey, everything is an economic calculation. And we calculate that being free is the best way to be. Mm -hmm. But... That being said, uh, so Black Stallion yep. by State Winery, right? Pretty good. It's yeah. a dry pretty wine, solid. but if uh, yeah. global warming to be believed, it'll be a sweet wine in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, just to at the end of the show, it's no longer global warming, Jacob. Right. It's oh, climate change. change. That's right. So, uh, some places are getting warmer, some places aren't, which yeah. is what those other scientists have been saying for the last thirty years. Right. <laughs> uh, right. Everyone, have a wonderful one. Uh, TastingAnarchy.com, Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. Yep. Uh, if you need hosting, Bluehost. Check them out. All right. Uh, All our links. Have a wonderful day. Have a guys. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Drink it, man. Oh, give me some of that slaw. Oh, pass that bottle to me. If you want to get along in Peter's town, buy some wine and pass it around. Age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine's for the you to drink wine. Wine's for the you to drink wine. Wine's for the you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. Elderberry. Wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Wine, wine, wine. Horton sherry. Wine, wine, wine. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gilsey at Willis Den. He wasn't selling but American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hit that cat for a dollar and a dime. I drink a wine for the order, drink wine. Bop, bop. Wine for the order, drink wine. Bop, bop. Wine for the order, drink wine. Bop, bop. Pass that bottle to me. Now I got a nickel, have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Some buys fifth and some buys four. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine, for you to drink wine. Bop, bop. Wine, for you to drink wine.